This episode of Little Bit Leave It is brought to you by Jeff McIntyre. If Jeff did it, it's gotta be good. Previously, on Little Bit Leave It. Hey everybody, welcome back to Little Bit Leave It, the podcast where we talk Love Island UK in the USA. My name is Ben, and with me, as always, my podcasting partner and partner in life, Rebecca. Howdy ho! Oh, wow, little Mr. Hanky. Well, you know, I try to refer to other TV shows that we really like and other pop culture things that are really the formative base of our comedy stylings. Okay. And so who can ignore South Park? Who can ignore South Park? Very nice. I like well, this got off on a weird foot. A very, very weird foot. Today, we are going to talk about season six of Love Island UK, episode 16. And we are also going to do a deep dive into the betting ceremony. You mean betting like they go to the racetrack? No, no. B-E-D-D-I-N-G. And by betting, that is a euphemism for... Doing the wild thing. Paige and Finley sitting in a tree. B-E-D-D-I-N-G. That's right. One of the things that happens in this episode is the first couple this season gets sent to the hideaway. And that is Paige and Finn. But wait, 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 wait. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes, we're getting ahead of ourselves as usual. 100%. Oh, 100%. 100%. The opening of this one. I know you liked... Ian's opening, right? Yeah. So Ian comes in with some comment about how beauty queens love three things, world peace and happiness for all the little children being two of them. But I don't think Rebecca really cares about either of those things because she hasn't brought any peace to the house. And I'm pretty sure the only happiness she cares about is her own. Yeah, that sounds about right. She is the worst, Rebecca. The worst. She's the worst. And she is very prominent at the start of this episode. Rebecca confronts Luke T because she feels disrespected because Luke did not tell her about his preference for Shawnice quickly enough in her mind. She needs to show respect to get it. She has shown complete and utter disrespect to everybody she has come across. So why does she deserve it? In this arena, anyway. I'm not saying people should be like putting boogers in her breakfast, but... When it comes to romance and the game, she's been a real dick. And as Shawnee says, I think it's a little bit of karma. Yes, yes. You are agreeing with Shawnee. Yeah. So do you think Rebecca has reason to be upset with Shawnee? I'm going to get to that in a second. I want to finish talking about Rebecca and Luke here because there's a lot going on. She definitely has reason to be annoyed with Luke. Yeah, I would agree. He did treat her a little bit muggy. But to be fair, he does openly admit to it. He does apologize. And would she be as upset if Leanne hadn't stirred the pot? I honestly think it was better that she found out earlier rather than later. Everybody already knew by the time even Leanne told her. And it was pretty obvious they were publicly flirting with each other pretty hard. Yeah, but there's... They weren't touching each other. They weren't smooching on each other. So you're allowed to talk to people. And if you get along with somebody and you laugh, it's not like they were like doing the flirting equivalent of sexting. No, but they were dunking tea bags together. Right. So anyway, the only point that I I haven't made yet is that Luke T was very misguided when he offered her that hug. There was no way she was going to want that hug. Oh, yeah. No, that was not a hug that was going to happen. But she's not a total dick to him. She says they're not not friends. Yes, they're not not friends. So she was she handled that one like an adult. Rebecca was only okay with Shawnice getting to know Luke T when Rebecca thought she was going to win. Yeah, that's a good point. Going back to the point we were just making about how Shawnice and Luke T, yes, they were flirting, but they weren't doing anything wrong. It was like middle school or high school flirting. It wasn't dirty. It wasn't touchy. So Rebecca then does pull Shawnice. What did you think about that? Shanice doesn't owe her any explanation about the teabagging incident. Yes. Teabagging is just something that can happen between two consenting adults, and it's really not Rebecca's business. No, it's not Rebecca's business. Rebecca knew exactly what she was up against, and Rebecca just thought she was going to win. Yeah. Boo-hoo, baby Rebecca. Get over it. Yeah. You know, you just, you don't have the teabagging skills. Nope. 
Nope. And, no, and then Luke M, doesn't he tell Luke T that he did a good job and he handled it like he would normally? But he also says, hey, but pretty much no matter what you did, I would have supported you. I've got your back 100%. Yeah. yeah. And handling a situation, quote unquote, like normal does not translate into Love Island. We've seen that again and again and again. You cannot do things on the inside the way you would do things on the outside. It just doesn't work. Nope. Shawnee's is a queen. And I think Rebecca was more human in that conversation than she's been. And I can see them kind of putting the beef to rest and moving along with their little lives. But even after all of this, Luke T finds himself, as he says, in another love triangle. This one with Wallace. What? And then Paige starts asking Wallace about his eggs. Well, she wants to find out if he's shit at shopping. She wants to know how many eggs Wallace eats per week. 20? I almost called the episode Wallace eats 20 eggs a week. So first he says he eats four eggs a day. Then he says there's five days in a week. So I think both of those things I think are hilarious that he eats four eggs in a day and that he thinks that there are five days in a week. Well, maybe he does his weekly shop every five days. Maybe he doesn't eat eggs on the weekends. Maybe eggs are a weekday food. He wakes up every morning, eats four eggs for breakfast. Just four raw eggs. That's Wallace's breakfast. Maybe. Yeah, so he eats 20 eggs a week. And she also asks him how he likes his eggs prepared. And they talk uh, about a few ways that you can have your eggs cooked. Yeah, it was getting kind of Forrest Gumpy in there. Yeah, very strange. But yeah, she wanted to know how many of those 20 eggs are in Shawnice's basket because it turns out that Shawnice is a beautiful hen with lots of eggs under her. Yes, she is a very good looking hen and her nose is a little beak like. So I get it. Don't make fun of Shawnice. We like her now. I don't know. I am still not totally on board with Shawnice. So Mike tells Callum and Nas that he intends to crack on with Sophie. Yeah, he was just dumped. And I'm not saying he has to sit around crying about it, but he took no time to reflect. He took no time to sit with his feelings. He's just on to the next one. And while I often agree that the best way to get over someone is to get under someone else, again, that's the outside world. You can't do that in Love Island with Mike's situation because everybody has seen him with Leanne. Everybody has seen his feelings flying all over the place. He's caught the feels very famously. And everybody, all the girls are friends for the most part. Yeah, he moves on a little too quickly, though it is true in Love Island, you have got to make your move. You've got to shoot your shot or else you might get off the show. And ultimately, why are you on the show? To crack on. To get famous. That's why you're on the show. That's why they're all on this. It's not to fall in love. Come Eat, on. sleep, crack on, repeat. Come on, yeah. All right. So Callum looks so uncomfortable when he talks about, when Mike talks about going after Sophie. Yeah. Callum is not cool with that. So Mike should be telling the girls he wants to crack on with that he's going to be cracking on with a couple people to see if he has any connections in the house. That would have made this whole scenario upcoming so much less threatening if he just said, hey, you know, I'm single again. I want to get to know you better. Jess, you and I had something in the beginning. Sophie, I find you very pretty, but we both had something like Rebecca. I barely know you at all. Right. He could have just come at it from that angle and it would have been totally less snaky. And he says that he, that's how he's going to do it. But he ends up being much more aggressive. Right. Yeah. And see, this is why Are You the Asshole? I'm sorry. Are You the One is a bit of a better TV show because there there would have been somebody for Mike in the house and all he would have had to do was find her rather than rather than roll the dice and hope for the best. Better show. Hold on. Are you saying Are You the One is better than Love Island UK in what respect? And the aspect that you don't have to awkwardly cling to other people in the house, hoping that they either rescue you or faking a relationship to stay in. Oh. You just have to talk to people. But you're not saying it's a better show. You're just saying it's better in that respect. You yeah. avoid these weird things yeah. happening. Yeah. yeah. But I also think part of the fun of Love Island UK are these fake couples and these weird things. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. It's just because we started watching Are You the Asshole again. Yes. That's which is Becca's nickname for Are You the One? Well, you always read me Am I the Assholes from Reddit, like around dinner, which is right before we start watching TV. And so they kind of, and there are so many assholes in that show. It's true. It is true. So Callum then tells Shauna about Mike wanting to crack on with Sophie and tells her that he is not cool with it. 
Yeah, don't forget, Mike asked Callum and Nas to keep this information to themselves. But Mike should have known that if Callum knows something, Sean is going to know it a moment later. And to be fair, Callum is really hurting. He's really lost without Connor. Shauna even says that since Connor left, she sees so much more of Callum. And don't forget, too, that Mike forgot that Sophie is close friends with Leanne. Yes. Yes. Shaunice and Luke T are then on a daybed and Luke is laying it on factor 50 thick. Yeah, the look on his face when Shaunice was talking about the Wallace date, his eyes were all squinched up. He was being playful about it, but you could tell it was hurting him hearing her talk about Wallace is lovely and we had a good date. And then she turns it around and says, but if you want to kiss me, I suppose that would be all right. Oh, her face lights up when he talks about kissing her. And the fact that he was paying attention to her clothes and that the dress did something for him and he didn't say it in a skeezy way. He pays attention to her. Like that is the hallmark of most successful relationships and the two great relationships on this show is that they see each other for who they are and the things that they notice are specific details. Yeah, he does have very specific things that he talks about that he likes about Shani. So then they they, have their stun to the in kiss. Yes, they kiss quite cheekily. I have a question. Yes. That conversation started with her talking about how she wants to get to know Wallace. Now that Shaunice and I almost said Nas, now that Shaunice and Luke T have kissed, well, Wallace knows, but she doesn't know he knows. I don't think she knows that he knows, but I also think she probably realizes that he's going to find out momentarily if he doesn't already know. I I don't know. I I think that she's just in the moment. I don't think she's really thinking about Wallace at that time. Well, it wasn't what I was going to say. Yeah. So he takes himself out of the picture. Yes. Right. I was wondering if that was the end of the road for her and Wallace in her mind. Or if she still thinks she's going to go try to talk to Wallace and make a final decision. Because in my mind, I think that's the end of Wallace for her. I think based on what we've seen with Shaunice before, that this she thinks it's the end for her and Wallace. That this is her making the decision to be with Luke T. And good for her. Now we need to talk about a terrible conversation. Oh, wow. Yes. This is this brought shame to Love Island UK. This is one of the most disgusting things they've ever talked about on the show. This is the second most offensive thing that has happened on Love Island. The first being all the racism. Yes. Actually, the second being all the sexism. Then this. Okay. I can't even say it. I'm so offended. You're going to have to say because I'm a New Yorker and I'm a quarter Italian and you're going to have to take this one because I just can't even. So Naz asked Demi what her favorite delivery food, takeout food is. Takeaway. Takeaway. Yeah, takeaway. But, you know, we're Americans. We can we don't say takeaway. We say takeout. We talk about delivery. And that's your takeaway from all this? Pizza. That's what Naz likes. All good. I love pizza. Domino's. You know, fine, whatever. We get it, right? Not everybody can have the best pizza in the world like we do here on Staten Island. Whoop, whoop. In walking distance, there are two very good to amazing places, and that's just in walking distance. And so... And a domino is in walking distance. (laughs) So Demi says that her favorite base, which is sauce, is barbecue sauce. And Ah. Nas agrees. Barbecue sauce instead of tomato sauce. And then what does Nas like to put on it? Turkey pepperoni. Turkey, pepperoni, and barbecue sauce. Just why? Yeah. Hey, remember that time you made me order chicken barbecue pizza? And like ranch and bacon and stuff. Yeah, and and even you admitted that was terrible. Oh, it was disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, I was mad about that pizza. That made me really upset. I was really offended. Yeah, well, I hadn't had that in a long time. I think I used to order that when I was really uh, drunk. And I wanted to know why. Grad school. I wanted to know why you've ever had it at all. You went to grad school in New Jersey. Why would you ever eat dumb pizza in New Jersey? Yeah, no, it was because we would be really drunk and we'd be like, oh, we should get that chicken bacon ranch. It would come on TV at two in the morning or something. I mean, in D.C., where you had really limited options back in those days, I could understand getting a shitty takeout pizza. But come on, Jersey. Yeah, this Forget is, about it. So Demi and Nas, they both love this disgusting pizza. Let's change the subject. I'm actually getting a little hungry, even though I don't want barbecue pizza. 
Demi has a really cute quote. Nas is talking about his first dates and how he likes scenic first dates, which, by the way, is really smart because if the conversation is dead, you can talk about what you're looking at. Yeah. And then she says she's surprised because he's so energetic. And he said, no, 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 no. I'm not always that energetic. And she says to him, I've been here 24 hours and you've been energetic 20 of them. And the other four, he was sleeping. But um, bum. It just encapsulates Nas. It was good. She sees right through him. And then the conversation that we're all excited to see. Sophie and Mike. Mike pulls Sophie. We who? You know, we are excited to see Mike embarrass himself, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. The conversation gets off to a rip-roaring start when Sophie calls herself his big sister. Yeah. She says, tell me more about that, which I'm guessing was sarcastic because he immediately backpedals and says he's kidding and runs away with his tail between his legs. So, yes, he starts out saying he's reborn. He is a new man. His Love Island experience is just beginning and he's into someone who's already at the villa, implying her, of course. But yes, he he plays it off as a joke. Yeah, it was gross. I don't even want to linger on that. Let's talk about the best thing that happens. We got a text. We got a text. Someone is going to the hideaway. You hear someone yell out for Callum and Shauna, but Paige and Finn become quickly the consensus. And they are the first couple to go to the hideaway in season six of Love Island UK. What do you think, Beck? I kind of want to know what would have happened if Callum and Shauna went. Yeah, I am kind of curious to know what Callum and Shauna... What would have happened if they had went in there? But anyway, good for Paige and Finn. Yes, Finn, you need a shower. Do you think Paige and Finn did bits? It's implied that there was some groping, and I think groping counts as bits. I think there were bits. Bits were done. Bits were done. Okay, they have joined the official Do Bits Society, but this season is so wholesome. Finn is such a gentleman about it. But before they go in, of course, Paige is presented to Finn. Right? Yeah, she looks cute in her little red lingerie. It is um, nutty. And that really is the inspiration for our deep dive that we're going to get into in a few more minutes is this whole weird ritual of Paige being presented for Finn and they're going to the hideaway and all the guys and girls kind of whooping and hollering. Well, that's been the case on Love Island the whole time. And it gets more and more extreme. And I think throughout this season, it gets more extreme. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, it used to just be open, right? Couples could just use it as they wanted it. Yeah. In the beginning, right. You could just go to the hideaway. The boom boom room. It was. It was like the boom boom room. Anyway, you guys should definitely watch Are You the Asshole if you haven't. It definitely fills the void. Yeah. It's much. It's like a good palate cleanser between Love Island seasons, I think. So let's talk about the next day. It's daytime now. Yes. Oh, except one thing after the lights go out. It's so cute with Shaunice and Luke T and they're waving to each other. Oh, that's right. That was so cute. It's so cute. You know, you sound sarcastic, but it was really cute. Yeah, it was really cute. I'm not being sarcastic. That's me being sincere. Oh, God. Why don't you make that voice at our wedding then? Oh, I do. It was so (laughs) lovely. Okay. (laughs) Oh, God, I would have killed you. So Paige and Finn return from the hideaway, but then we see Nas and Demi in the gym. Leanne and Sophie kind of spying, taking the viewer's perspective on this. Yes, Leanne says that she feels like a proud mom slash creep. It must be nice for them to watch Nas, because Sophie's been coaching Nas a lot too. Don't be creepy. So it must be nice for them to watch him have a successful interaction with a lovely girl. I have to make one comment, though, and I wasn't sure if I was going to do it now or in the TNA report. Watching Demi do those weighted squats and those tight little jorts made my fanny cry. Made your, oh, your fanny flutters? No, fanny flutters are good. Made my fanny weep. (laughs) Do you know how uncomfortable that looks? Oh, the squats? Yeah. She's holding a weight, too. So she's doing these weighted squats in little tiny jorts. Oh, yeah. And that is not comfortable. I can imagine. Yeah. Demi. I can imagine. Ouch. So then Mike rears his head again. He decides he's now going to talk to Jess and Leanne and Sophie spying again. Uh, Except this time, the Lukes also take notice of this conversation. 
So here's where Mike lays it on factor 50 thick. And Jess really comes out as a strong player in this episode. This is where we see the silent rise of Jess or the quiet rise of Jess. Because she's not having any of his shit. He says, oh, well, I was very clear about my feelings with Leanne in the beginning. And she says, no, you weren't. Yeah, Mike tries to rewrite history, pretend that he did not mug Jess off. But Jess is not having it. She knows her self-worth and she's not about to deal with his snakery. Uh, And good for her for insisting that, okay, you like me, show me. Don't just come here and talk to me. Actions speak louder than words and I'll believe it if I see it. And because Mike lives in a different reality than everybody else, he immediately follows this up with a conversation where he pulls Luke M and tells Luke M that he is going to crack on with Jess, whether Luke likes it or not. And don't forget that Jess is also Leanne's close friend. Yeah, this is just very, very strange. And when Leanne was crying the night before, who was consoling her? Jess! Jess! Yeah, so then Luke M turns around and tells Jess of what Mike just said. And Jess just says, my dude, don't worry. Even though they have nothing in common except for the gym, Jess reassures Luke M that she is not going to Team Mike anytime soon. And then Mike decides that he's going to go talk to Leanne for some reason. He tries to frame this like he's checking in on her, but he's really kind of confronting her. Leanne, Leanne, Leanne. What a sad, beautiful life she leads. Yeah, that was just such a weird, creepy line. And then he gets into the bed with her. Ew. Yeah. Ick. And I think he's just trying to gauge how much she knows and how mad she is. And so for her to turn on him with a completely apathetic whatever was perfect because she is acting to him like she doesn't give a shit at all, which must sting because he wants everyone to love him. I also feel for Leanne a bit in this episode. She does look kind of depressed. She said she feels out of place in the villa at this point. So it's rough goings right now for Leanne. And that going is just going to get rougher and rougher as the day goes on. Because we find out that tonight there's a party. And you know what that means. Someone's going home. Yes. Every time there's a party on Love Island, someone is going home. You can count on it. So there's getting ready. There's lots of conversations between different parties about who's going to pick who. There's lots of lobbying for certain people to stay. Because tonight we have a recoupling. Yeah. Guy's choice. Guy's choice. And Callum and Sophie are saying that Nas should pick Sophie over Demi. Yeah, that's not right. You know, I feel bad for Sophie. Sophie and Leanne both know they're against the wall. I think Rebecca is also feeling the heat, although we did not even mention she had a little chat with Wallace. That was the most boring conversation ever. Yeah. Wallace is not interesting outside of his food and beverage choices, apparently. Yeah, we skirted right by the whole Rebecca Wallace thing. It fits in here. So... On the one hand, if the group kept Sophie in so she could meet somebody else, it's a little fucked up for them to dump her after three days. Oh, yeah. They kept her in. Yeah. To to find somebody else. Yeah. It does not make any sense. But on the other hand, right. I don't think Nas should just dump Demi. No. And it's interesting that Shauna says that Nas should pick Demi when she tells Callum privately that she thinks Sophie should go. It's not very surprising, especially in line with her past actions. She wants Sophie off the show, I think. Yes. And she's wanted Sophie off the show for a while. Yes. Everyone, of course, is assuming that Mike is going to pick Leanne. That's kind of the background to all of this. Everybody thinks, oh, the choice is going to be Nas's choice between Sophie and Demi, because even though Leanne dumped Mike, Mike still has feelings for her. So he's going to pick Leanne. That's kind of the background assumption. But Mike also laid it on to Sophie. So it's a little bit more ambiguous than that. Yeah, I think it's very ambiguous, but certainly they are assuming that Mike is going to choose Leanne. Otherwise, they wouldn't be having all these conversations about Sophie versus Demi. True, true. The text comes, everyone is dreading this moment, but it is time for the recoupling, and the first guy to pick is Finley. Beautiful speech. As Paige says, he might as well just have said I love you. Although, to be fair, I thought it was a pretty mild speech. Like, it expressed, I think, it expressed his feelings very well. I don't think it was too soppy, but I think for Paige, anything the least bit romantic or earnest is soppy. And so you can just see from her reaction... She's so cold-hearted normally. Yeah, they well, they turn each other into melts, yes. ultimately. Ham sandwiches. 
And second, Luke T gets to pick and he picks Sean East. And meanwhile, Rebecca's getting all misty eyed. Yeah, she gets a little gives a little look. And then third, Callum picks Shauna. Here's a weird thing. Do you think watching this, do you think he's sincere or do you think he's kind of just going through the motions? Both. Because he lays it on pretty thick and it almost doesn't seem believable, but maybe it does because he's also very stupid. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't make enough of a note of it either way to have any opinion on it. Is he smart enough to be calculating? I'm not sure. I just think he's an earnest guy. Yeah. And then we got Luke M and he picks Jess. Yeah, no surprises so far. No surprises. Finally, we get to Wallace and he picks Rebecca, as he promised. Whatevs. Whatevs. Now it's Nas's turn. He looks constipated. Dump, dump. Dump, dump. Dump, dump. He's got a headache in his stomach and a stomach ache in his head. And he makes his little speech. And it's very obvious who he's picking from this speech. He picks that feisty little redhead, Demi. That bundle of fun, energy, and joy. Yes. And then it all comes down to the last guy, Mike Botang. Mike gives the most vague general speech, gives no clue who he's picking between Sophie and Leanne, and then he picks, drum roll, please. So, yes, thank you for the drum roll. That's enough. He picks the Soph. He picks Sophie, and Leanne looks crushed, and then we fade to black very quickly. And then we see next on where Leanne calls out Mike, and some other stuff happens. Yep, some other stuff happens next time on Love Island, and we will, of course, talk about it in our next episode. Because that's what we do. Because that's what we do. This episode, however... This episode of Little Bit Leave It is brought to you by Jeff McIntyre. Sure, you might know him as the creative mastermind of such beloved cultural projects as the Birthday CD, but did you also know he's considered one of the top middle school band teachers in Bergen County and the undisputed sousaphone king of the Route 17 corridor? And in addition to the Birthday CD, Jeff has authored and self-published over 20 different books of jokes with titles such as 1,000 Marching Band Jokes, 1,000 More Marching Band Jokes, and I bet you didn't think we could come up with another 1,000 Marching Band Jokes, but guess what? We did! Jeff is also a very good cook and has taken a number of classes at Bergen Community College, where he has learned to prepare a variety of classic French sauces. Jeff is a good listener, and he always remembers people's birthdays. He's good at staying in touch without being overbearing. He doesn't mind driving people to the airport, and he owns a box truck for the sole purpose of helping someone move if he is asked. Jeff keeps the box truck at a commercial parking lot, and it barely gets used apart from when he has to drive it around just to keep the engine warm. He spends almost $300 per month for the parking space, and when you combine it with the insurance costs, it really doesn't seem like the smartest financial decision for a middle school band teacher. But every time he thinks about selling it, he can't help but wonder what would happen if a friend needed to move in an emergency and had been relying on Jeff's box truck, only to find out he sold it. So, Jeff still has the box truck. All of that just goes to show how thoughtful Jeff is. So head on over to www.jeff-mcintyre-website.net to get your hands on your very own copy of the birthday CD or one of Jeff's joke books or just to send Jeff an email. He always responds within 12 hours, no matter what he's doing. And remember, if Jeff did it, it's gotta be good. Okay, so yeah, thank you to Jeff for the advertisement. That was so much less stressful than some of these other ones we've been getting. Yes, that was a good one. And if you want to support the podcast... Because we are an independent podcast supported by our listeners, currently one listener as of this recording. Uh, You can head on over to patreon.com slash little bit leave it. And for $2 per month, you get access to Spoils of Love, which is bonus content with every single episode that we are now working to make really, really good and enjoyable for everybody. Now that someone's listening to it, we have to uh, raise the bar a little. Yeah. 
For $5 a month, you can join the Dupit Society, and that is how you get to hang out with us on our private Discord server, and that is how you get access to the full bonus episodes, like our tribute to Caroline Flack. We released a sample of that. If you want the whole episode, all 40 minutes instead of the 10 or so that we included in the sample, you've got to be in the Dubit Society, and that's $5 per month. Patreon.com slash LittleBitLeaveIt. All right, so today's deep dive, we are talking about betting ceremonies. So if you watched Game of Thrones, you are probably familiar with the concept, and you are probably wondering why we are bringing it up. So in this episode, we see Finn and Paige going to the hideaway for the first time. They're the first couple of the season. But more interestingly, we see the preparation for the hideaway. Paige and Finn getting themselves cleaned up and dressed, accompanied by their friends, and then the ceremonial meeting of the men and women outside the dressing rooms. The whole thing feels ritualistic, and at this point in the series, the producers may help guide the contestants, but the contestants basically know what is expected of them. At this point, the whole process is a Love Island ritual, and it's one that gets more celebrated and formal as we go along And the ritual is directly descended from the practice of betting ceremonies, which dates back to the Middle Ages in Europe. Basically, a betting ceremony is the custom of family and friends putting the newlyweds together in a bed and watching them screw. Supposedly. I'm sorry, that came out of nowhere. (laughs) I know. Supposedly, it was meant to symbolize the community's involvement in a marriage, which itself isn't crazy. I remember coming to the realization early in our own wedding planning that the wedding was for our guests, not for us. A lot of the time, people wouldn't actually watch the sex, even though the original reason for having a betting ceremony was to have sex to prevent the marriage from being annulled. It was literally what made a marriage legally binding. Isn't that still the case? It's easier to get a marriage annulled if you haven't boned yet? Maybe. Interesting. I don't know. I didn't really look into that. There goes that option. (laughs) Let's just say that I am a little dubious of these claims that the friends and family of the newlyweds were not really like into this whole thing and left before the sex started. Because that is one thing you read about some of the accounts. They say, oh, but people probably left before the sex really started. Seems to be the consensus of a lot of modern historians, but a lot of accounts really actually imply that they left the room after they knew the sex had begun. They were there to verify that sex was happening and they wouldn't leave until they knew that the sex had started. What era are we in? Like, where are we in time? Are we in your? So it dates back, I guess, to the Middle Ages, but it really continued until the late 17th century, early 18th century. It really stopped probably, yeah, in like the early 1700s to the mid 1700s, at least in England. Well, because I'm just thinking about all the Puritans coming to the U.S. with their uptight little views and how, you know, in the Middle Ages and whatnot, fucking was just something people did. It wasn't this, you know, hugely shameful thing. And so there was probably a lot more public carousing. So... There is a little bit more privacy, especially when you're talking about the lower classes as you move forward in time. And eventually it kind of becomes more symbolic and it's something that is still a custom even in the late 18th century, but it's not like people are actually having sex anymore at the betting ceremonies by that point. Up until the, say, 1720s or something, you, there are documented cases of nobility engaging in betting ceremonies. And the nobles were the ones who were really freaks about the whole thing. But let me get into that. Were they eating popcorn? I don't know if there was any popcorn there. But the bride and groom were definitely undressed by their friends and family, especially the royals, who definitely stuck around and played some flirty and like sexy games with them as part of the foreplay. This is actually where the tradition of throwing the bride's stocking or garter into a crowd comes from. Hmm. So back then it was actually the bride who would do it, not the groom. If you got hit with the bride's garter, it meant you were going to be like the next guy to get a turn married. Yeah. No, not get a turn. No, (laughs) no, they're not that freaky. 
Ah, it's a shame. So we do know of one instance in England where Charles II acted as the cheering section for his nephew, William of Orange, when he consummated his marriage with Mary II, who I guess was also technically Charles II's niece. Very, very weird. And Charles was known, I think, for being... A freak? Yeah, hedonist of some sort. His court was known as hedonistic. And he gave them a few pointers while they were actually banging, apparently. Nice. Yeah. So these tips were not well received, though. Mary (laughs) was not really into the marriage to begin with. So uh, William of Orange was actually 12 years her senior. She was only 15 when this happened. Oh, way to ruin it. Yeah. Well, she did not want to leave England either. She did not want to go to the Netherlands where William lived. Her family was not into it, but it had to happen for the House of Stuart to carry on so they could continue to hold the English throne. So she married her cousin William and old King Charlie is yelling stuff like, now, nephew, to your work. Hey, St. George for England. And this is while she is, you know, receiving William's orange member. And the family's involvement didn't end with coitus either, by the way. Usually, someone was sent in afterward. It might be a nurse, but it might be a family member, and they're there to check for blood on the sheets to make sure the woman was a virgin. I guess you could still annul the marriage if you find out the woman wasn't quote-unquote a virgin, and we all know, you know, the hymen can be broken in a number of ways. There's no direct evidence that bleeding on the sheets has anything to do with virginity, blah, 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 blah. But what happened? Do you know? Well, so there are a lot of social class dimensions to the entire ceremonial bedding practice. It was the nobles who seemed to be focused on virgin brides. It wasn't really regular folks so much. They were probably fucking all the time, the regular folks. I don't know, but it was royals who really watched each other also do the nasty. Regular people also, of course, had their own bedding ceremonies. But the royals were very concerned with joining families together and securing power and alliances through marriages and bloodlines. So really seeing the act was important for them. And regular people don't really care about that stuff so much. But that doesn't mean that communities did not have an interest in watching marriage. No, in the marriages. I've been to the Netherlands. I've been to Amsterdam. I know what's up. I'm focused primarily on English bedding ceremonies. We take for granted how household and communities work today, but people did not really live by themselves or in couples or small nuclear families back in these times. They lived in larger family groups and communities were more interdependent on each other because your world was just much smaller. Everything you needed had to be produced by your immediate community and Major disputes that disrupted the community's harmony could actually affect your survival. So the bedding ceremony has an analogous function in some ways in the lower classes because it does get the community invested in the marriage. A big difference between royal bedding ceremonies and lower class beddings was the formality. Regular people were led to the bed just like their noble counterparts, but they usually returned to the party afterwards And they weren't stripped naked, usually, or prepared for the act of intercourse by courtiers or ladies-in-waiting. Just basically their friends would, you know, force them into a room, they'd leave them alone for 10 minutes, and then everyone would come back together to celebrate. So Not even a shower or a sponge bath? Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I think hygiene was also approached differently back then. True. A commonality between the royal and regular bedding ceremonies was the involvement of a religious official. Royals usually had bishops bless the bed and stick around to be a part of the cheering section. Regular people had a priest around to verify and bless the marriage after they did the deed, kind of just to make it totally official. Uh, But there aren't any priests on Love Island, thankfully. Instead, we have an oversized black feather and, interestingly, a pair of long black gloves because it is a coincidence in Scotland during the 17th century and even the early 18th century after a marriage had been consummated everyone would take a drink and give the newlyweds gloves as a present and Paige is Scottish Hmm. just saying Hmm. in any case the hideaway 
ceremony on Love Island really is a modern day betting ceremony. And just like how betting ceremonies of the past get the community invested in a marriage, the hideaway ceremony gets all of the islanders invested in that couple, right? Yeah. Well done. I learned something today that I didn't even know existed. So brava. Yeah. And there is a lot on betting ceremonies in other countries as well. There are some fun stories I came across involving French royalty and betting ceremonies. I will just leave that to you, the listeners, to Google because there are some really fun and freaky stories about these royals. Liven up your next wedding. Yes. Yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe, do you regret that we did not have a betting ceremony at our wedding? No, we already lived together. Yeah, but still, do you think a betting ceremony could have been fun? No. (laughs) I don't think it would be very fun to me. Well, that was a pretty fun one to research. I bet it was. I think it is. Yeah, all these uh, drawings and photos of betting ceremonies. Ye old exhibitionism. Yeah. Ye old voyeurs. Done by artists from the 17th century, obviously. I can think of a couple of Facebook groups that would be really into that. Speaking of the 17th century. Yes. How about this for segues? We've got a little bit of a change of pace for culture shock this week. Really? Yes. So I believe Nas mentions something about being tetchy. He does. Tetchy is a word originally from Romeo and Juliet. It is an invention of one William Shakespeare. If he even really existed. Yes. If you think it's him or who is the other guy? Marlowe. Yeah. Right. So, but I don't think it was Marlowe. That doesn't really make sense. It was probably a woman. And you know how things are in the old timey days. In the yours. I've heard people say that it was maybe more than one person. I don't know. We're not going to go into Shakespeare consi- conspiracy theories, though. Yeah, we're we're not. This is not a Shakespeare podcast. This is a Love Island podcast. Yeah, we're classy as hell. Speaking of classy, it's time for the TNA report. This was a great episode for fashion because there were three different scenes, right? You had night one, and then you had daytime, and then you had night two which means three opportunities to see what everybody's rocking. But I'm going to go chronologically, right? Yeah, go for it. I really am just going to talk about the party. That's where I... All my fashion comments will be for the night party. Okay, you'll catch up with me when I get there. So let's talk about night one, right? After the dumping. F minus. Demi's dusty blue pleather dress with the fringe. It was an ugly color. It was an ugly cut. It was an ugly material and it didn't fit her right. Yep, too bad. F minus Sophie back in the divorced woman's wardrobe. She is a divorced woman. Those enormous shiny gray pants. Miss. Total miss. But of course, we do have a couple positives. Rebecca does look gorgeous when she's talking to Luke T. Her hair is waved really nicely. Her makeup is great. It brings out her eyes and her cheekbones. Her outfit was fine. But damn it, Rebecca, you look awesome. Yep, Rebecca has a good episode, I'd say, overall. Good looking. Yeah, I mean, just a good episode for her. I hate her less this episode than I've hated her before, but it doesn't contribute to my overall hatey level of her. Sure. And then F positive, as always, Shawnee in a black lacy top and chartreuse shorts. So then we have daytime, and I only have two, and they're both negative. I once again just want to mention that Demi is doing weighted squats and jorts. That just as a woman makes you uncomfortable. Super. And also Luke M has a nipple piercing. Hey now. Really? I don't know. Gross. Those are so over. Aren't they over? Are we I, think, I was them? thinking that I might get my nipples pierced. No, you weren't. And no, you won't. All right. Let's talk about the parte. I've got five for the parte. Oh, yeah. I've also. Well, oh, no. I've got six. All right. I'll let you take the parte. I've got four positives and two negatives. Overall, I have four and one. The party was they were very well dressed. Even the people whose outfits like didn't make the list, they were non-offensive. Yeah, I'll start with Sophie, who impressed me first. She is who I noticed right off the bat in that black sequin dress. That was a great dress. I thought it was pants. 
Was it a pants? It was long, right? Yeah, it was long. Yeah, it was long. One piece. I think it was pants. Okay, whatever. It was. It was really cool. It was cool. I also thought the color of Leanne's sequin dress. Yep, I have was that. Very one. cool. Yep. I liked that. I liked Luke M's polka dot shirt, the black shirt with the white dots. Me too. Thought that was very cool. I also liked Nas's floral shirt. Me too. And the white pants. I thought that was good. Though my one of my negatives actually goes to Nas for the shoes. I did not think he should have been wearing those shoes with that outfit. I just don't think they matched because it was kind of the, the off-white leather just didn't work for me. Oh, I didn't even see his shoes. Yeah, I, I mean, sneakers could have worked, but just not those. And my other negative, it goes to Finn with his stupid bow tie and suspenders. What does he think? He's a waiter or something? It's just so dumb. Okay, I loved Finn's little bow tie. I thought it was all just dumb. Listen, okay, it's not Chris. It could have been. No, he didn't have a stupid little hat. He could have. He wouldn't have. He almost did. He didn't. But he thought about it. And also it was like tuxedo styled. It wasn't like jaunty. It wasn't jaunty. It was very jaunty. I guess you're going to have to agree to disagree. Those suspenders and bow tie. He was a jaunty little mister. (laughs) The puppy man can do no wrong. Don't knock the puppy man. So yeah, I had all of those and I had a negative, an F minus for Paige's light pink satin curtains dress. It literally looked like she had nothing else to wear. So she just grabbed down the satin curtains. I don't know. Do they even make satin curtains? But it wasn't good. Oh, it's curtains for Paige. It is curtains for Paige. Sorry, Paige, you baby. All right. Well, with that. Thank you for contributing so much to Fashion Report. Not that I'm mad when you don't, but it's always fun when you do. Yeah, well, I I enjoy fashion and clothes. When I was a teenager in San Francisco, I used to go to the Haight-Ashbury district and shop in the thrift stores after school. There was also the Salvation Army on Haight Street, too, which is where I got my green Budweiser jacket, the This McBuds For You jacket. You don't still have that anymore, do you? Gosh, I have no idea. I don't think so. I think we trimmed a lot of that fat. Yeah. Too bad because St. Patrick's Day is coming up. St. Patrick's Day is coming up. Actually, it's passed by the time you're listening. We don't hide the fact that we record these in advance. No. And if y'all notice, the time between recording and publishing is getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. As we catch up to ourselves like a snake eating its own asshole. Well, speaking of snakes eating their own asshole, you know what it's time for? Eating assholes. No. No, it's time to... Rank the couples. Yes, it is. Okay, so today, are we going to go top to bottom? Yeah, we always do. Not always. Except when we don't. Yeah, except when we don't. Though really, today, as we were discussing, even though there are some people down at the bottom... This was a good episode for a lot of people today. Indubitably. Indubitably. So up at the top, of course. Pagey baby and the puppy man. Yes. The jaunty little mister. They had their little time in the hideaway. And the satin curtain sadness. But that's okay, Paige. I forgive you. You're still my favorite. Number two. A very close number two. Shawnice and Luke T. Yeah, if it hadn't, that's the whole thing is if it hadn't been for Paige and Finn, Shawnice and Luke T would be the stars, right? Absolutely. Coming in at number three, old standby, old reliable. Callum and Shauna. Callum and Shauna. Yeah, I like that he went to her when his heart was hurting. The speech was nice. Yes, he's just so lost in the villa right now. It's just my heart goes out to Callum. Yeah, poor Callum. I'll take care of you, Callum. All right. Number four. Jess and Luke M, who had really good episodes individually. So they can both take that spot together. Jess stood up to Mike. She comforted Leanne. She comforted Luke M or she reassured Luke M. Luke M was a good friend to Luke T. Yes, I just love Luke M and Luke T. I still can't, like, I can't believe, like, the two Lukes coming in at the same time. It's like, what is this, second grade with Luke M and Luke T? Oh, no, because now second grade is, like, Jackson H and Jackson R and Jackson Q and Jackson uh, P. Uh, and then Braxton and Brayson and Ryson and Bryson and Kyson and Kaysen and Kaiser. 
coming in at number five. Nas and Demi. And I feel bad that they're down low, but... That barbecue pizza thing just knocks them down. That was really horrible. One of the worst things that's ever been on Love Island. And it's a testament that they're only been knocked down to number five is how much we generally like them. Number six... Eh. Eh. Wallace and Rebecca. Eh. Eh. They're fine. And then there's a, a little bit of a gap. And then at number seven, Sophie. Which I don't agree with. I think that she should be above Wallace and Rebecca, but Ben feels very strongly about this. You know, I don't even remember why I felt so strongly about this. Do you, can you remind me? Yeah, because you thought that she shouldn't have been lobbying for Nas to keep her oh, and yeah. jump Demi. Yeah, I thought that was not cool. I yeah. thought that was not cool. So that's why I docked her a few points. She should have been happy for Nas in uh, trying to, you know, pursue that romance. And then we've got a big jump. Big All the way jump. in the basement, number eight, by himself. Mike. Mike. And I've been a pretty staunch defender of Mike, but he sucks this episode. Mike sucks this episode so much. Is he just so desperate to stay on the show that he has to hit on all of these women? Or is it the return of Mike the sociopath? No, I think it's Mike trying to stay on the show and doing it poorly. Yeah, I think that's right. Like I said before, he could have done the exact same thing and set it up better for himself and no one would be looking at him more than a little side-eyed. That's true. So suck it, Mike. Do better next time. Okay, well, I think that about does it for this time and we'll see you next time. We won't see you. No, we won't see you, but we also want to thank you for listening. We'll see you on the tweets, though. Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at LBLI Podcast and Beck is LBLI Peng, as in Peng sort. There's an Instagram. There is an Instagram and that is... Little bit leave it? I mean, look up a little bit, leave it. You'll find us. <laughs> you can like us on Facebook, though we don't really go on Facebook. You can really interact with me on Twitter. I do it all the time. If you message one of those platforms, I will say it. We want to thank you for listening. And also, please subscribe. Support the podcast on Patreon, patreon.com slash little bit leave it. For $2 per month, you get bonus content with every single episode. You can stick around for the after show, Spoils of Love. That's right. An after show follows every single episode. And for $5 a month, you can be in the Do Bit Society and there's a whole lot more. So until next time. From Staten Island to Love Island. Wallace eats 20 eggs a week. That is crazy.